Culture Map presents What's Eric Eating? From the Gal Media Studios in Houston, Texas, here's Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. Welcome to What's Eric Eating? Culture Map's weekly bar and restaurant podcast. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. We have Arash Karat from Beavers coming up in a little bit. But first, I am joined by Felice Sloan, one half of the dynamic blogging duo that is Urban Swank. Felice, welcome back. How are you? Hey, 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 hey. I am happy to be back. I'm wonderful. How are you? I am good. We lost a week due to the uh, winter storm. Scuttled our plans for last week's show, but we are back and better than ever. Sadly, your partner in all things life and blogging, Shannon Jones, cannot be (laughs) here with us today. (laughs) I love that. I don't know if Shannon's husband would appreciate me describing it. I don't know if Eric, well, you know what? He's stuck with me, so he would probably agree. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let us, uh, we have much to discuss, so let us dive into the news of the week. Major restaurant world drama going on with Oxbow 7, Brian and Jennifer Caswell's restaurant at the La Meridian Mm -hmm. Hotel. Uh, That is a restaurant, the, the existence of that restaurant was announced on this very show. So I am somewhat personally attached to it. Uh, I thought it was one of the best new restaurants that opened last year. But the news is that Brian and Jennifer have been, quote unquote, released from their contract as the managing, as the managers of the food and beverage program at the hotel by the hotel's management company. They are no longer involved with Oxbow 7, which comes as something of a surprise to them and to me and to the public at large. Um, Alison Cook from the Chronicle had the nitty gritty on this. The partner for the hotel said that they aren't planning wholesale changes, that that the uh, chef de cuisine, Michael Hoffman, is still in place. The general manager, Lauren Fernandez, is still in place. Um, But that the Caswells are no longer involved. Uh, Felice, let let me just put it to you like this. Do you think you are now more or less likely to eat at Oxbow 7 without Brian and Jennifer's involvement? Yeah, a couple of things. Well, first of all, that's a interesting because the whole concept was built around them. It's their concept, right? So Yeah, it is the, the whole menu and idea <laughs> was their, built around kind of Brian's life, like the, the exactly. food he likes to eat and the, the places he grew up. Right, so that's kind of awkward. Um, again, does it happen all day, every day? Sure. I hadn't been rushing to get there, so am I going to rush to get there now? I know you've loved it, and maybe I've resisted because you loved it so much. I don't know, but so am I rushing to get there now? Absolutely not. I was trying to get that gumbo, though, but now I'm just kind of like, whatever. I'm going to wait for the dust to settle and see what happens. But on a point that you said, it's a surprise to the public and to everyone, to us, to them. Are they really surprised? Like, I know that happens in corporate America, but I mean, well, are are you real for them to say that they're surprised? That just sounds like media speak to me. Well, we we've heard the story before, right? Restaurant brings in high profile chef to get it off the ground, and then cuts ties with him. Uh, usually, the behind the scenes explanation is that that was a very good way to save money. Mm-hmm. Um, they have said that this is that that was not the relationship they anticipated having with Oxbow 7 
that if that were that they would have just served as consultants, gotten the you know gotten the top spinning and and left out. Mm-hmm. This was intended to be a multi year relationship. I agree with you. So again, till the, till more stuff comes out, you know, I don't want to be. I don't want to be the starter or the shade thrower. Oh, no, no. I'll do that in a minute, but go ahead and finish okay. your thought. Okay, so I don't think, so that sounds good. Again, that's good media PR speak. I don't think this was a surprise to them. I heard that they haven't been to restaurants for months. Again, this is alleged. I do not know. So, again, I'm just saying. Right. So, I I spoke to them, and and I will have, by the time this podcast is released, I'll have some some more conversation with them on Culture Map. Um, they they dispute the suggestion that they weren't there. Okay. And they keep using words like bad faith and um, breach of contract. Ooh. And so I said, "Are you thinking about filing a lawsuit?" Yeah, that sounds very that sounds very legally. I yeah, went from PR bad, now. That's bad legally. Faith is, bad faith is one of those legal <laughs> right. words. Yeah. Are you going to sue them? And they said, we're talking to our general counsel about mm-hmm. Ooh. So we have not heard the end of this saga by a long shot. Well, you should have told me I needed some tea, honey, for this because we are sipping some tea on that one. I will stay posted. Yes. Uh, in, in better, happier news, uh, Fluff Bake Bar, Rebecca Masson's Midtown Bakery, has reopened. Rumors of its... Demise were greatly exaggerated by greatly other publications. Mm-hmm. Um, I went for the Saturday morning bake sale that she held as her kind of reopening event. She has renovated slightly. You know, there was that row of seating with tables and chairs mm-hmm. on the back side. Like That's when you gone. Walk in. Okay, replaced by uh, kind of a bar height uh, with bar stools that had not been delivered as of Saturday, but that. Becky tells me we'll be here any day now uh, to expand kind of the the front counter and, and look like some increased storage space. That's good for her. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes it less likely that I will go there with a laptop to, quote unquote, work from home. Yeah, I was going to say that kind of changes the concept cookies. a little bit, right? It does yeah. change the concept a little bit. Um, but, you know, she, she was always operating, even after the dining room was damaged by that busted pipe in the in the building that has the bakery. Um, but now you can pop by for, you know, two catch potato cookies and a Veruca salt cupcake. Right. So that's good news for Becky. Um, good news for Flanza Fluff Bake Bar's sweets, of which I am certainly one. I am too. Uh, first of all, she's my Becky. You know, I always tell her she's my Becky with the good hair. So let's just start with that. Um, she, I'm excited for her. She is... Everything that she touches far as, you know, you think about what people, a lot of these top chefs that we know and love do with food. She does that with sweets. And so, and then she's just a good person. So I'm super excited for her. If you haven't been by there, if you've been waiting to try it out, I don't know what you're waiting for. You need to get there. It's so, so, so good. And then, uh, yeah, I think that's kind of covers everything. Um, there's a new grocery store in the Heights. Right, we're all we're all eagerly awaiting HEB to to actually build the gigantic one on Shepherd. But in the meantime, uh, Louis Camella, the owner of Jalazi, has opened the Italian American Grocery Company on White Oak next to Jalazi. Felice, did you read about this? Are you intrigued by it? 
I'm very intrigued by it. I'm intrigued by that whole New York Italian, you know, shop feel that we don't have. Like, it's not like being in Houston anymore because, as you said, we do have the big grocery stores. So I'm excited about what they're doing, about going um, to be able to get things. If I want to get authentic stuff and wines and be able to do that. And then the tastings, like he's going to be having tastings in the aisle. So I like that whole East Coast feel that it's bringing, but still having the Houston weather, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, not not, not counting last week, but you know what I'm saying. Right. Louis (laughs) is an interesting guy, right? He's, He's a Chicago expat living in Houston. There's there's a few of them floating around the food scene. Uh, most prominently, our good friend Justin Turner, the owner of Bernie's Burger Bus, but but also several, you know the chefs at Nobis and uh, Nancy Sussel both worked in Chicago. So there's there's this kind of fun like Chicago thing going on in Houston food. But but that's beside the point. I'm I'm off track. But he was nostalgic for the kinds of products, Vienna beef sausages, you know certain peppers and sauces that he just couldn't find in Houston. So he opened this grocery store to supply that. So there's Italian American products and also authentic Italian products, uh, cheeses, meats, dried pastas, desserts, all imported from Italy that as far as I know are not readily available anywhere else. Like you're not walking into central market and buying some of this stuff. It looks really good. Uh, He gave me an Italian frozen pizza that I'm kind of, saving for uh, a night when I don't have dinner plans. We have to get the wine to go with it. Did you? Yeah, you got to get the wine to go with it. He did not give me a bottle of wine. Okay, so so you just got to go back and and get the wine. Yeah. But yeah, uh, 300 300 bottles of wine, 80% from Italy. It's the first, as far as I'm aware, it's the first retail outlet for beer and wine purchasing in the former dry zone of the Heights since those Restrictions were lifted in 2016. So it's good that's news e- for people. That's in the exciting. Heights. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, products look really interesting. Haven't really had a chance to try a lot of them yet, but, but I do think this is a really nice addition to a part of the city that is uh, rapidly developing as a culinary destination. I agree. I love, like we, we've talked over and over about all the great things that are happening in the Heights far as being a food destination and just putting that there and it's right next to the gelato shop and there's going to be you're not you're able to get the pizzas and all that to, it is great i'm excited absolutely and then finally uh the landry's inc busily opening new restaurants at the post oak their luxury hotel that will open soon from what i understand they already opened mastro's uh, a luxurious steakhouse with a little bit of a Vegas flair. And now they have also opened Willie G's. They're uh, one of the oldest Landry's concepts, a, a seafood concept, a Gulf Coast seafood restaurant, uh, thoroughly transformed for its arrival at the Post Oak. Uh, that means seafood towers, of course, uh, a more luxurious interior, sushi. Um, I have not been to Willie G's yet, and it has been years and years since I dined at the original Willie G's, but I am intrigued. By this transformation of Willie G's. Well, we have to go together. I have to admit, Willie G's was the first like major restaurant that I fell in love with as a as a kid, and I used to go every year for my birthdays. Like that's where my dad would take me. So I have a love with it, and I'm super excited about. You know, they've 
up. They've re- they've renovated the old space a couple of times over the years, and it still was you know was nice. Still same menu. So this is a new menu, a whole new look and feel. I'm excited. Yeah, did you see the picture of the Ross seafood display that they sent out? I did not see the picture. So there's this like beautiful seafood on ice, shellfish, whole fish, just a spectacular looking array of products uh-huh. that are on the menu at Willie G's now. That alone makes me think, you know, that that kind of flair, that kind of presentation makes me think I got to go there. Yeah, well, I mean, just because it's Willie G's and I'm wondering because, you know, there's Willie G's all over. So will this just have a special menu or will they kind of take some of the successes from the new menu here and kind of sprinkle it out across the nation to their other Willie G concepts? Yeah, it's it's too soon to tell, you know, because it's so they're comparing this to the transformation that they did when they opened the new grotto downtown. Right. Okay. New look, new menu, kind of new thought. I don't know if that has been replicated in other grottos or if they plan to open new grottos that mimic this downtown grotto. I think, I think Willie G's let's, as far as I understand it, it let's see how it goes here and then we'll, we'll see what they, what do they do it. with the rest. Yeah. All right. That does it for our news of the week. We will be right back with our restaurants of the week. Stick around. You're listening to what's Eric eating. So Felice for our restaurants of the week, we have, Two new places to discuss. Uh, let's start with Goodnight Charlie's. You and I met there for drinks and tacos Saturday night. Yep. This is David Keck's new honky tonk. Uh, right in the heart of Montrose, uh, right off of Westheimer, right near Hugo's and One Fifth and Poison Girl. It's a little bit of an odd thing for a master sommelier to open a country music dance hall that serves uh, two types of wine on tap. Uh, mostly bourbon, mostly beer. But that is what we have. What did you think of Goodnight Charlie's? Just from walking up, I thought it was super cute. Remember I told you I kept saying, oh my God, it's super cute in here. So it had a good feel. Um, I love the, because one of the things we said, it's a bar that has food. You know, it's elevated food, but it's a bar that has food. So um, I think far as that concept, it's, something that we need more of because that's kind of where we are in Houston. So I thought that was great. Um, yeah. Then the band came, thought it was a good band. There's plenty of cowboys, great whiskey selection. Not that that has anything to do with food, but you know, that's important, right? I mean, it's a honky tonk. So great cowboys, um, great whiskey selection. And um, once we get into the menu and kind of talk about the food, we'll kind of go there too. But I, I'm, I'm excited about it. Yeah, it, it looks the part. It looks right? the part, yes. it, It's shaped like a barn, even though it's new construction. It's maybe a little bit too pretty kind of for what it aspires to be, but of course it will age. Right, yeah. But if you look at it, you're like, yeah, this is clearly a new building trying to look like an old building, but it, it does feel good in there. Uh, and I am intrigued by the food. Uh, Alvin Schultz, the uh, one-time MasterChef contestant who is known for his... Uh, Eat, drink, experience, chef pop-ups, uh, consulted on the menu. Uh, Felipe Riccio, who is uh, an eater young gun. He worked at Reef. He worked at the Passing Provisions, and then he spent some time as a bartender at Camerata. Just came back uh, from a year and a half in Italy with his wife, Haley. 
worked with Alvin to execute the menu. Felipe is the chef for the company that owns Goodnight Charlie's. And it's this like it it is. It's it's this Mexican inspired street tacos, some shareable plates, and then a couple of larger entrees. Did you have a favorite of the tacos that you tried? The favorite taco that I tried would have been the um, hot chicken. Yeah, that seems to be an early win. Yeah, I thought it was, you know, if you, you like hot chicken, you would love it because the chicken, it's it's a great proportion of chicken. You get nice proportion amount of chicken to all the, the ingredients that are included. The chicken is nice, hot, nice and spicy, and it's just a really good bite. That was my favorite taco. But then we also had, um, you want to try the chicken fried steak. And I said, oh, let me try that too. I thought that was very, very good. That was actually my favorite. Yeah, the chicken fried steak <laughs> sandwich. And and it's so funny because it, it is, it's like a little breaded uh, chicken fried steak kind of cutlet size. But there's just so much going on on that sandwich. You know, you started, I was just kind of biting into it. You peeled the thing apart. We found... Uh, beans we found avocado we right. found yeah ham exactly you know, there's just a lot going there's on a lot yeah and i think one of the things because there's a lot going on for me i ate it um i took the after i bit it a couple times and i was trying to get all the flavors because i'm like this is really good then i took the the top layer off and ate it open face a little bit to get rid of some of the bread so i think they would be um better served by getting a little bit thinner bread so each bite you're able to taste all of that. All the flavors come together very well. Because I think once I said that, you're like, I didn't even know guacamole was on here because it kind of gets lost with the bread. You just know it's good. Right. You just get kind of the creamy and you're <laughs> yeah. like, is this mayonnaise? Is right. it some sort of sauce? No, no, it's guacamole. Yeah. Which helps kind of justify the $12 price, which is not bad for right. a, a nice sandwich. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they do have some fun snacky things. They have those little puffed wheat uh Duros. We had the Alotus that I really liked. Mm-hmm. Um, I have had the Nacho Croquettes, not with you, but separately. Uh, they're super fun and very shareable. I think my favorite taco is the Cochinita Pibil. Uh, I know there are several restaurants in town that do good versions of that dish. I would count this as one of them. It's got pickled onions. Uh, the pork is just very flavorful, a little bit smoky. Um, something that, you know, and, and honestly, at, at three tacos for 10 bucks, you know, they're not taco truck cheap, um, but they are making the corn tortillas in-house. Uh, there's a level of care in the preparations that fits both David Keck's reputation and Felipe's reputation. So, and they serve the, they serve most of the food until 2 a.m., which every day, which I really like. Yeah, one of the things that I wanted to mention, they have a, most of, as you were saying, most of the items that we mentioned is on their late night um, menu that starts on weekdays. It starts at 11 and on the weekends it starts at um, 12 a.m. So that it's a pretty good deal because, you know, you want to drink and maybe have a couple of bites. So I think that's good. And we didn't mention the frozen cocktails are really, really good. Yeah, the frozen, I had a frozen margarita. You had a frozen something else. Yeah, it was, um, it had bourbon and grapefruit and something else. It was called a blinker, I think. It was so good. Yeah, and they worked with Robin Berwick from Double Trouble on those cocktails. Now, what's interesting is they're not shaking. No. So really simple, like three ingredients, stirred kind of cocktails. 
Um, you know, I had a half a thought when I was there previously about, oh, I could make a, a margarita with one of the tequilas on the back bar. Uh, and that's not actually the case. You can't do that because they don't shake drinks. Oh, got it. So that was a, a slight disappointment. Um, but I will say there's, there is something really exciting about um, uh, a music venue in the heart of the city. No cover, no cover to see the band. Um, live music for now at least Fridays and Saturdays Um, and you know I'm not a huge country music fan but it is it is a fun atmosphere yeah it's a great atmosphere it's a great night out and you know there is one other thing worth mentioning they have the rhinestone cowboy package Oh, Uh, this is an off the menu special (laughs) Uh, 12 tacos and a bottle of upscale champagne like Krug or Bollinger for 200 bucks now, considering that if you go to a reputable store and buy a bottle of Krug, it's about $175 by itself. To get that in a bar environment with 12 tacos for 200 bucks, I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm rushing out to do that, but I could see I could see four people going in on that. Yeah, okay. Too. And having a pretty good time. That's fun. Yeah, yeah, and that's fun. So yeah. All right, uh, and then we do have we do have one other dining experience to talk about. Uh, Cafe Annie has launched finally. Uh, the renovations are complete, and Cafe Annie has launched its prime room. This is the downstairs space uh, with a limited menu that starts for now with prime rib as the main entree. Had Robert Del Grande on the show several weeks ago talking about uh, the motivation for this, the idea that they wanted to use the downstairs space better than just an entranceway, and also that he kind of wanted to get back to simple cooking, kind of the roots of food that got him interested in cooking in the first place, favorite things he likes to eat. Um, Felice, I'm just going to throw it over to you. We had a pretty good dinner. What did you like about our experience at the Prime Room? You know, it's one of those things where we know Cafe Annie, if you don't know, you know, it's kind of bougie, right? Like it's it's upper scale. It's a little bougie. Um, some people could be that's, intimid- a, that, that's an interesting way of describing a, a Houston institution, but, but sure. I mean, but it's a, okay. It's a bougie Houston institution. Be it's real. Just, no, be no. Real, you right? keep it real. <laughs> right. It is. So I think what they're doing with the prime room is great because it is approachable, right? It's, it's a great menu. It's a wonderful price point and, um, the food is approachable. So I think I like that for Cafe Annie because you have to keep, you know, bringing in new people and keep things fresh. So from that aspect, I think it's wonderful. And just going with the whole concept, I love the way it felt. The food was amazing. And Chef, like you were saying, he was on your show. He was so passionate about, you know, prime rib because he's done. Let's just face it. He's done everything. He is a top chef. And for him to get so excited about talking about the prime rib or me telling him how in love I was with the um, creamy onion soup and how well developed the flavors were and just his passion, talking about something as simple as soup, right? So they are doing just staple things very, very good. Yeah, so talking about the approachability aspect, 10-ounce prime rib, $30, uh, compares very favorably to places like Houston's or Lorenzo's that might be kind of the the standard. I mean, I know I know prime rib is a somewhat unusual craving. I I do occasionally want to eat that. 
uh, sides in the uh, $12 range, as I recall. Mm-hmm, they were, yes. Um, desserts, 10 bucks, And then the, the three starters, smoked salmon, uh, raw oysters, and shrimp cocktail, also all 18 bucks. So uh, if you go, I'd say if two people go and you get the smaller cut of the prime rib, the, the 10 ounce, 14 ounces, $45. If you get that, you're breaking the bank a little bit. But if you split a starter, two 10 ounces, a side or two, because they're designed to be shared, you're going to come out maybe a little bit more expensive than a typical meal at Houston's might cost for the same food or similar food. But the quality of the experience is so great. Yes. And, you know, you described the price as approachable, but the the atmosphere and the experience is still very much Cafe Annie. Yes. The room looks great. It's very luxuriously appointed. Uh, the service is top notch. You know, it's it's table side. It's it's spooning your sides out for you. You know, at least for the first go round. It's uh, the soup is poured table side. The sauces are all poured there. So all of those little touches that kind of mark fine dining, um, making it that take a service experience from good to memorable, are still in place. And uh, it, it's so funny because having having written about this and then. And having had Robert on the show, I've heard from so many people who are just like, when do we go into the prime room? I want, I want to, I want to eat that. Yeah. It's everything you said. It is all that. Like, it's one of those things where if you are a fan of Cafe Annie's in the past, you will fall in love again, right? It's, you will want to eat there. You will fall in love all over again and fall in love with Chef again. All right. I think that does it for the restaurants of the week. Felice, thank you. Thank you. We can follow you, um, well, on Instagram at Swanky Maven, but but really all of your best work, urbanswank.com, uh, updated all the time, yes. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest. Am I missing anything? That's it. All that. Tumblr, if people even still use Tumblr, all that at Urban Swank. <laughs> all right. And then I will be right back with Arash Karak. You're listening to What's Eric Eating? I'm joined this week by Arash Karat, the executive chef at Beavers on Westheimer. Arash, welcome to the show. How are you? Good, good. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming. I think when I first became aware of you, you were still like, you were like this pop-up legend, <laughs> right? Yeah. Space City Cowboy, must follow Snapchat. I think you're the first person I followed on Snapchat. Yeah. Uh, and you were working like a corporate job, mm-hmm. managing a big like corporate office kitchen, yeah, uh, and doing these like really cool like fried chicken pop ups and stuff and glitter. Yeah. And uh, I mean, doing the pop ups, you know, being locked down and <clears throat> a lot of these oil and gas companies, it was really hard to get my name out there, and especially in the Houston culinary scene, everyone's very, you know, if you worked at this restaurant, then you traveled around with the other chefs and you knew everybody. So the only way like the Houston public can find out or try any of the food was the pop-ups. Yeah, because you you like you don't have that like Brennan's underbelly pedigree. No, no. And those guys, they all travel together, they're all buddies, and you know I, I knew of them. Um, you know, I looked up to a lot of those guys, you know, being a cook and coming up, you know, in the culinary world and th- those are the rock stars, you know. So so how did you get started in cooking? Um, well, so my father was a chef, uh, for Marriott and, um, 
you know, being, being a young kid, uh, not even knowing of it, my dad would put me to work and, you know, either helping him at home or actually taking me to the Marriott and throwing me into the bake shop or wherever, you know, to keep me busy. And I, I thought it was fun, but you know, years down the road, I was like, Oh dang. Um, I knew how to do this and fillet chicken breast and ice cakes and all sorts of stuff. And I just fell in love with it. And, you know, I try to do the accounting thing and go to college for so many other things. And I, I just couldn't stand it. I hated it. So, so then how did you make the transition from this kind of pop-up legend, um, this kind of corporate chef into the world of Houston restaurants? Um, so, you know, doing the corporate gig was awesome. Um, I got to travel a lot, open up some really, really nice kitchens. Um, from the Wolfgang Puck deal out in Exxon Mobil out in the Woodlands, um, being a part of that from the Chevrons um, in downtown, the BHP Billington, you know, you, you think of all these oil and gas companies. I mean, they got money coming out of their ears. But once oil prices drop, then that means so does the labor, and then that means the food as well. So that got really stressful on me, and <clears throat> kind of worrying about what what's going to be my next move and. Uh, can they afford a chef? Do they need a chef? Um, everything became very recipe oriented where honestly they didn't need, they didn't really need a chef. They just needed a really high end kitchen manager to hand out recipes to cooks and kind of just watch over, um, the kitchen. So that, that's when I made the decision. Um, let's go in the free market. Uh, the pop-ups were fun. It got my name out there, I created a buzz around Houston and, people were aware of me and just out of nowhere, um, beavers contacted me. And at first, uh, it was actually at one of the speakeasies where I got pulled aside and, you know, they're like, do you want to work for beavers? And at first I told them, no, um, no, thank you. <laughs> Why did you tell them? No, just, you know, you know, I, I used to go to beavers a lot. A lot, a lot, you know, especially as a cook and working downtown and, you know, balling on a budget, you know, riding my bike everywhere. And Beavers was always a spot that we would stop, uh, grab a cocktail, a beer, maybe a snack and then move on. So my perception at the time was just like, oh, no, you know, it's not my my deal. You know, at that point, I was doing a lot of barbecue. And in my mind, I was like, why would I want to go to Beavers? They're not it's not barbecue oriented it's not this it's not that it's wasn't a fit for me until they i got pictures and diagrams of what i i, I had no clue what beavers westheimer was going to be i didn't even know that they were going to open that and they're like oh yeah we're going to open a new one not this one i was like oh okay well let me come check the property out and then i i walked the property and i was like oh wow you're like like we want to do a new, brand new barbecue program we're bringing back the barbecue full force. And I was like, okay, sign me up. And that's what really got me going with them. Yeah. I, I, I definitely do want to ask you about the barbecue. How, how did you become, cause it's, we see this more and more where trained chefs are becoming interested in barbecue. Um, obviously Ronnie Killen is, is kind of the leading light, uh, in that particular movement. But, uh, Bram Tripp did some great work at the pit room, has mm -hmm. a has a classical, certain classical background. Even Patrick Fegis, right? Yeah, worked at Brennan's, yeah. worked at Underbelly. 
um, now about to open a barbecue joint. Um, as a chef, like, like what was it about barbecue that appealed to you? Um, you know, it all goes back to getting to play with fire, knives, meat, um, you know, especially being in Texas and, you know, my love for 44 farms, it, it all kind of just made sense. And all my buddies, they all do barbecue from Ara to the blood brothers and a couple other guys that I love hanging out with. And, you know, me being their little pit rat, helping them out where I can, it, I fell in love. I mean, I did it at home a lot on a, you know, Weber kettle smoker that cost me like 30 bucks. And then when, anytime I got a chance to work on their rigs, it was just so much fun, you know, and I, the learning, you know, you want to learn something, master it and then learn something new and master it. So, you know, it just, you know, being in Texas, the barbecue thing, just, it just made sense. And it's so much fun, you know, and being able to manipulate it and, you know, just the time temperature deal, it, it all, you know, it's, it's really mesmerizing what you can do with a piece of meat and some smoke, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I think I've been eating it the original beavers like pretty much since it opened. And I, I like to sometimes remind Bobby Hugel that I walked in there one day on the, uh, the day of the Kentucky Derby and he was doing mint juleps is a special. <laughs> and I was like, I'd never had a mint julep before. Right. I'd only ever read about them. So that's when I got, I got started in classic cocktails. Thanks to Bobby at beavers uh, before envelope opened even. And, wow. and, you know, the work that JJ did there for years was, was really good and I, th I think that original beavers it it opened a lot of uh doors for chefs for people the mixologists and bartenders and just the eyes of the public on what a small restaurant can do and i mean it just you know again you're talking about all the chefs and bartenders that work there i think it grew the pedigree and everyone that came from there they're doing awesome things and you know it's just a stepping stone for them to to do the next badass thing you know yeah and i think what you've done at the westheimer location is kind of get back to that original spirit uh comfort food you gave the barbecue some legitimacy you kind of it's got a good solid beverage program mm -hmm. and that that outdoor patio is just super fun yeah i mean if y'all haven't been out there the the patio alone i mean easily 150 people can fit out there the fire pit um you know bringing back the southern comfort food we uh redesigned the new menu it just came out last week um full lunch menu dinner menu a little bit different uh we're revamping the brunch um again bringing back some of the classic dishes that i brought when we first opened and um just bringing the fun back you know yeah i mean how would you say the first year because you've been open for about a year yeah we just hit one year how's it going it's going great um you know, when we first open, um, you know, everyone wants to get their taste of it. And, you know, it it all changed. The menu changed three or four times because just maybe one dish didn't work or a cocktail didn't work or the draft system didn't work. Um, so now we're fine-tuned. We know what the demographic wants. Um, you know, I've tried – I mean, if you all follow me on Instagram, you see some of the crazy stuff that I do. So – some of that stuff just doesn't work in that area. Um, maybe another part of town, people will be all over it. But, you know, Southern comfort food, making it approachable, making things that people can relate to, um, I think that's what makes a, a large restaurant like that work. 
It's not a 20, 30 seat restaurant where the menu changes every day. Um, our no, clients, I mean, you're a, you're a family friendly kind of neighborhood yeah. spot uh, with a significant barbecue. Component. Yeah. And people want consistency, even with the barbecue. Um, yeah. We do some one-off specials here and there, but again, I can't just say, okay, we're changing the rib rub today and we're going to do this. It, people will freak out and lose their mind. Um, and that's the biggest thing is just being consistent. Uh, you know, your, your oysters are going to do this, make sure they're like that every single time, even with the Turkey sandwich. I'm so hard on these guys when it comes from, uh, smoking the meat, how thick they're cutting the bacon, how they're plating it. And there's like, it's just a Turkey sandwich, but it, it's still like, you want to make that. And I keep telling these guys, you have to make each dish Instagram perfect because if you don't, someone takes a weird picture that's a reflection on us right it's going to wind up on that uh, top houston restaurants instagram account looking all funky yeah <laughs> nobody wants that no and then it confuses the next person that comes in and says, well it wasn't like that when so-and-so took a picture it's wrong and that's you, you got to avoid that at all cost is it hard for you kind of managing um a barbecue program for lack of a better word without like having to be there all the time and smoke all the meat um at first, that's what it was. It was me managing the kitchen, doing all the barbecue, getting there super early in the morning, and I was killing myself. I mean, ran myself straight into the dirt. Um, you know, I hired a couple of great guys. Um, one guy has zero barbecue background. The other guy kind of dabbled with it. Um, but being able to train uh, a blank slate, it's it's awesome. I mean, these guys... Uh, they learn the pits, uh, they're young, they're intelligent, uh, they take criticism well. Um, so it, now having them, I can actually walk away and trust them. And they, they know that if I walk in and I slice into a brisket or slice into the ribs and it's not up to par, then we don't serve it at all. It, it goes into the chop it up pile, you know? Um, and then, you you closed the the original location at Washington Avenue and Sawyer for some renovations. Yeah, um, it's getting a, a facelift right now. You know, the hurricane and the holidays and everything kind of pushed uh, construction back a little bit. Uh, hopefully, within the next three weeks, it will be alive and running. <laughs> oh wow! Well, that's good news. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I just checked the camera system today, and it's full force. They picked up the smoker yesterday. Um, so first, they're gonna. It's all going to be in, in baby steps. So first the bar will open, bring in the neighborhood, let people check out the space, get acclimated to it, and then slowly but surely, uh, you know, with brunch service, lunch, dinner, uh, just see how it goes. And then that's how we'll plan it out. Are the menus going to pretty much overlap or are they still going to – is there going to be some differences? There's going to be some differences. Um, you know, the barbecue program will be the same. Um, again, depending on, uh, operation hours, it might just be more, uh, bar oriented, like late night snacks, um, smaller plates, stuff like that. Um, again, we want to make it a spot where people want to hang out, not like how I used to go and just have a beer, dip out and go to the next spot. And I think that's what a lot of people are used to, especially in that area, in that neighborhood, people want to bar hop and, you know, keep going all the way down to Washington, maybe make that the final stop, but we want to keep people there. So same thing like Westheimer. People hang out for an hour, two hours, maybe up to five hours. 
So we want to keep people there. So it's gonna like it's gonna be really cozy. It's gonna be really cool. No more uh, like like real tables this time. No more no more like janky benches that are uncomfortable. <laughs> so there they might. I, you know what? I don't know. I, I think there's some big, long wooden tables that are like one piece wood type deals, at, like community tables. Yeah. Uh, there's gonna be some of those. Uh, for sh- they got new chairs. I hated those uh, booths. Um, the patio is gonna get a lot of love. Um, big windows, so you can actually get some daylight in there. Yeah, it's not. It, I I drove past it. There are definitely new windows. It doesn't. It's not a windowless bunker anymore. Yeah. I'm very excited about yeah. that. Yeah, so it's going to be a little bit more uh, open up. Yeah, and Washington, it's so interesting because at the at the western end, um, there's all those new nightclubs. You, mm-hmm. know, you got you got Concrete Cowboy. You got uh, uh, shoot the the fancy sports bar. Yeah, um, you know, but like the eastern end is like all about food, right? Exactly. It's- Taco Deli, Curry, B and B, Gus's Fried Chicken's coming nice. soon. Yeah. And, you know, keeping up with the trend and it's that neighborhood needs it. You know, there's there's little places where you can actually sit down and you feel like you want to hang out like Taco Deli. I wouldn't want to hang out there. You know, it's not really designed for that. It's yeah. basically, you know, it's fast casual, yeah. but it's kind of fast. You eat and you go. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just, you know, Beavers as a brand, you want it to feel kind of homey. You, you want that that vibe, you know. Yeah, I mean, you're in a it seems to me like you're in an interesting spot professionally. Yeah. Um you're kind of getting more recognition, you're you're kind of part of the barbecue community now. Um I even understand that you're getting a little national love these days. Yeah, man, it's getting kind of scary um where people seek you out and they want you to be a part of um whatever program it's going to be um or they want to work with you. It's, it's I mean, it's awesome. Um and it's great to get my name out there, and especially for Beavers as well. Um, you know, things are moving a lot faster uh, this year than it was last year. Um, but it's really cool. So what is the deal with this? Um, I understand your wings are going on a restaurant in California. Yeah. Um, they're going out to Napa. And um, I couldn't believe it. It's a Michelin-rated restaurant. Um and so I did my internet stalking and found out that for uh, they they feature wings from uh, all over the U.S. For right, we, we should say the name of the restaurant. What is it, Sarah? What? The oh, the Charter Oak. From the folks at Metalwood. Metalwood. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful restaurant. Um, it's in wine country, so you get the ambiance and the total feel. I mean, it's really really cool. So. So we should. I should just clarify for anybody who's listening that doesn't isn't familiar. So, uh, the restaurant at Wynnewood is a, a three Michelin star restaurant, which makes it uh, one of the most acclaimed, highest profile restaurants in the country. Uh, the chef there, Christopher Costo, has opened the Charter Oak as a a more casual kind of sister concept to what he's doing at Meadowood. And then, what exactly? So, what exactly are they doing? They're taking your wing recipe and putting it on the menu. Yeah. Yeah. Is it going to say like Arash's wings? Yeah. It will, it will be uh, from Houston, Texas, Beavers, uh, Sticky Bourbon, Buffalo Wings. <laughs> it's kind of awesome. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And I keep seeing like little clips on social media. You're doing a whole bunch of TV these days. Yeah. Um, we're crushing it right now. Uh, the TV guys are coming out, filming. 
Um, so things are going statewide, uh, nationwide here and there. Um, a lot of fun stuff. All right. So even though your publicist is standing right next to you, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to ask you something that a, a local restaurateur asked me recently. Are you happy? Yeah, I'm happy. Um, you know, the whole thing with cooking is, you know, staying relevant, having fun. If you're not having fun, then don't do it at all. And that's, you know, one of the models I try to stick with. Um, and just the new menu that we came out with is it's really fun. Um, you know, some management before they, you know, they always add their two cents and what should be on the menu, what shouldn't be on the menu. And I don't like people telling me what I can cook. So with, with this one, um, it's my, it's, it's my menu. It's what I want to cook. It's what I think the people want to eat. Um, I kicked off some of the old school beaver stuff just because it's not my food. Um, it's not my recipe. Um, I have my own standards and what, what I think people like eating and some of that stuff just didn't work for, for me and for the restaurant. All right. So what did you, all right, I have to ask then, what did you get rid of? Uh, just a lot of the basic stuff. Um, just some of the setups, uh, just some of the wording and just some of the ingredients. Um, you know, I don't want to bash anyone's reputation or anything like that, but it was just played out and done with and, you know, making things more approachable. I mean, we have three smokers at Beavers and, you know, now we're smoking our own pork belly for the bacon and all, all sorts of fun little things that it just makes sense instead of, you know, purchasing basic stuff to do, you know, all right food. So your future for the next, at least the immediate future, firmly with Beavers. Well, we'll see. You know, I, I get offers quite a bit. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I know I hear that. Yeah. So, I mean, hey, you never know. But right now it's, it's with Beavers and, I, you know, I stay true to who I work with. So um, I'm not going to just say bye, guys. See you later. Uh, every, and everything. I mean, even with opening up my own spot, I mean, there's talks with investors and stuff like that. And right now is just not the right time. And I've told them that. And it, with me, I like to plan my life out. I like to plan everything out from start to finish. Uh, I just don't want to just jump on an opening of a restaurant without, you know, everything planned out. I mean, you're you're pretty committed to the to the barbecue thing. Are there other styles of food that you want to explore? Well, no. Let me let me back up for just a second. You are making a lot of pizza on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Um. Is that is that something that you is that sort of a just like a hobby or do you think that could find a professional outlet at some point? Both. Um, you know, I love my pizza. It's something that I've been trying to perfect, and you know, I do it as for fun right now. But as a kid, I've always wanted to open up a pizza place. It's the it's the money making way to go. Uh, very low overhead. Um, very low food cost. Yeah. flour and water. And that's the thing. Like especially with barbecue. If I would say buy beavers, I'm going to go open up a barbecue restaurant, it, it's going to fail. I mean, you can't just it, – it's hard. And, and I've talked to a lot of people. If you don't got the business pushing through, you know, barbecue is a high food cost item. And you just can't say, okay, I'm going to reuse it tomorrow because then people know and then you lose your customer base. Um, and it, it's – to make money on it, you, you can't charge over $25 a pound for brisket. You have to stay in this happy medium where – 
it's going to be 18 to $22. People will pay that price. Uh, I mean, especially what we're using. We're not using uh, commodity beef. We're using 44 farms. Uh, and people get it. They can taste the difference. And we're not using prime briskets and stuff like that because you just lose way too much for that cost. But, yeah, back to the pizza deal eventually. Hopefully, maybe even when I retire. Like, I've always wanted a pizza restaurant. All right. Well, because you served pizza at the Butcher's Ball. Yeah. Uh, it was a pretty big hit. Yeah, and I wish we had a bigger oven and more of them to crank it out. I think we would have took first place. We well, maybe, yeah. Well, I mean, there's no stopping Willow. I mean, yeah, Willow is the I king know. of the Butcher's Ball. Yeah, yeah, two years in a row. I love them. <laughs> um, all right. I think that brings me to the end of my questions. Uh, but we do have... Uh, what I like to call the lightning round. Uh, five easy questions, five short answers. Okay. Just say the first thing that comes to mind. All right. What's the first restaurant you ever worked at? Shit. <laughs> well, Marriott restaurant doesn't count, but the first big one was Nico Nico's. Uh, what is your favorite ingredient? Fat. <laughs> I think that's the first. Uh, what is the first band you ever saw in concert uh ugk it's a very houston answer what is your fast food guilty pleasure it has to come from a drive-thru shit taco bell <laughs> <laughs> um and who is your favorite houston sports figure past or present i would have to say jj watts i don't keep up with sports that much but he's a good guy all right Arash, thank you thank you so much uh, we can follow you. Uh, we can follow you at Space City Cowboy um, on Instagram, certainly. Mm -hmm. uh, Beavers Westheimer on Instagram. Yeah. Beavers HTX on Instagram for news for the for the smoke signals that are certainly coming one of these days. Yeah. Uh, from the original location. And they're coming soon again. They picked up some smokers yesterday. Um, <laughs> BeaversHouston.com, right? Beavers is the website. BeaversHTX.com is. The website uh, for all the latest goings on there. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter at E Sandler, on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.